Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. receiver 1, 2, 4, 9, 15, a couple tight ends are out in week 7. Uh, that's why this show is so important. Stats versus film. We'll go through every single team about what the players did on the field and then maybe even more importantly go into Hayden Winks's fantasy usage model and compare that to the film that we bring up for all of you. Hayden, team by team, how you feeling? Great. People need to go to Underdog Network occasionally and actually read the notes. I have notes on like 200 players. This is ridiculous. So go, go support it. Positive, negative regression candidates. I have usage like interesting stuff, like third down carries, all this stuff, garbage time stuff. I have stuff on like completion percentage over expected for receivers, a dot, how often they're going deep touchdowns over expected, all that fun stuff. Go to go click a link for once, please. I am going to check the analytics out here in 48 hours and just see when you were listing all that nerd shit, how the view count just plummeted, plummeted. I can't wait for the show. Some great performances, some teams going on by and some teams coming off by. We'll start at the top with the Arizona Cardinals. Talk about changes. Woo-wee. Marquise Brown was balling out this season. Now, optimistically, Marquise Brown's out for the next six to eight weeks. We get DeAndre Hopkins back in our lives. They've just traded for Robbie Anderson. But the player who has really emerged here over the last few weeks in a role that should keep in the same direction is Rondell Moore. 10 targets, 6 receptions, 49 yards. The last two weeks, he's gone back to the slot over those last two weeks, a 2.8 ADOS. A lot of screen stuff, some manufactured stuff. And then occasionally he has a route option route against zone coverage or man coverage underneath and sits down not as much deep crossing routes there was one last week that ended up getting uh broken up possibly because he's a little bit on the smaller side but i'm not expecting his role to change i think what happens is deandre is going to go into the marquise brown spot at the x receiver on the left side and yep. then i think robbie anderson and aj green are going to compete and most likely rotate as the deep threat on the the right side of the field they needed Robbie Anderson because this team needs speed and downfield presence. A lot of their throws this year have been underneath. A lot of these passes downfield have not been completed. Right now, Kyler Murray is running like a madman because the left cent- the left guard and the center have been horrific. And now we have Justin Pugh tore his ACL. That's their left uh, guard. And Rodney Hudson still isn't practicing. I believe they play Thursday night. They can't run the ball because they can't block. And Kyler Murray is just scrambling right now. So it's kind of a broken offense. I'm curious to see what you're going to say about 
DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell though. Yeah, I don't think it's a Kyler problem. I don't think it's a Cliff problem. I think it is their problem together. Um, plus the offensive line, plus not necessarily the creativity is coming into fruition here on the field. My big issue is Marquise Brown was like the lone bright spot for this team so far. And the yeah. last time we saw DeAndre Hopkins, he didn't quite have that same juice is a word that we use all the time for these elite alpha wide receivers. You know, just last season, if you look at where he lined up, you're not going to get much creativity out of him. It was 463 snaps as a left wide receiver compared to 32 as the right wide receiver. Like we know that this, this is the offense. Um, Kyler is also throwing just about the least amount of vertical passes in the NFL this season. Let me find this number for you at, uh, here it is. 14.29% of his passes. And he's also the worst at completing them at 25%. Yeah. So everything that we heard about, Hey, Hollywood is going to bring some, some verticality to this team. Robbie Anderson is going to bring this verticality. I have to see it to believe it. Right. And this offense really has to pick it up before we move along. And I don't even know if it's the player count as much as it is the offensive line and the structure count. Zach Ertz has been, uh, isolated a lot of times they'll go with three by one kind of put uh zach Ertz in a little bit of travis kelsey seven now he has no juice speaking of no juice but zach Ertz remains the tight end three in fantasy usage uh predictably inefficient but predictably tight end one usage Eno benjamin last week 11.5 expected half ppr points as the bell cow back keontae ingram got in a couple snaps for, for the most part it was the Eno benjamin show daryl williams and James Conner did not practice early in the week. So I'm guessing we're going to get one more week out of Eno unless James Conner is going to take a rib injection and play through it. So um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think for this week, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I'll probably be putting like wide receiver 20-ish. Yeah. Rondale Moore, wide receiver 40. Zach Ertz, top five tight end. Eno Benjamin as like a RB2, three flex. But this offense to me just needs to come together. And they, I think they really need Robbie Anderson to take things serious or else... This is this is over. They can't throw the ball deep. I know. I think Daigle mentioned it on the instant reaction show where Kyler Murray hasn't had a top eight scoring week so far this season. Big yikes. Then um, to end this segment as where we started it, Rondell Moore's role is different than last year just from he's playing a ton of snaps every single week. You're going to see the same number of manufactured touches near the goal line or excuse me near the line of scrimmage but at the same time you're also going to see these short to intermediate targets too and maybe one deep one i will say i think he is the perfect example of you can't just be fast to be a vertical player you also need some some girth to you some size, size to you yes and and just an ability to win contested right mm -hmm. it's not just outrunning the opponent out there um and so it's not just looking at his 40 time and saying, well, Rondell can help us down the field too. That's more for the fans that I've heard from, mm -hmm. you know, a reaction than necessarily what the Cardinals are using him as. Atlanta Falcons, unlike the Arizona Cardinals, are doing some cool stuff every mm -hmm. single week. Now, for fantasy purposes, Hayden, we get 13 to 15 Marcus Mariota attempts per week, which tanks the likes of Drake London. It tanks the likes of Kyle Pitts, who we'll get to in a moment, but it does give us rushing production, not only from the quarterback, but a tandem at running back too. And namely Tyler Algier last week, who went 15 carries for 51 yards. And obviously Caleb Huntley, who got around 59 yards himself. The problem is it's 
been cut into threes a little bit as well with Avery Williams getting in there. Caleb Huntley had his highest uh, expected fantasy points of the year last week. He handled the loan inside the five-yard carry, but Tyler Algier goes in there. He's starting. He has 8.1 expected half PPR points. I'm not going to be ranking either of them inside my top 30. They're going to be probably right outside of it. Um, really what we need for this offense is we need the, the defense to get worse and we need the offense <laughs> to start off a little bit worse because we need pass attempts. We're yeah. not trying to start a rotation at the running back spot with these two backs who I think are okay talents. Uh, nothing more than that. We need, we need passive volume. Anyways. Yeah. And we just need Drake London, Kyle Pitts. That's who we're, who we're here for. And when they're winning games, it's not helping us out. Yeah. I'm totally with you. In fact, let's take these backs off the screen and maybe show the cow pits touchdown from this past weekend, because oh, it's yeah. the first that we've seen on us soil. I know that that is a bit of a meme at this time, but I think it actually does kind of speak to who this offense is. That was, we keep showing you because he's not the primary read in this situation. Like you can see Hufanga shaded on his side. You see this motion with 14 coming across and it's basically like a fake bubble here. Right. And then they're really wanting, I think it's Olamide Zacchaeus to break out over top of the intermediate area. And Marcus Mario does a really good job of going from there because he gets shut down due to uh, contact, then working backside to Kyle Pitts, who is in isolation, creating that inside separation and scoring a touchdown. And most importantly, a, a dirty bird off between Freddie Falcon and Kyle Pitts in the end zone. I, I gave the advantage to Kyle Pitts based off the end zone view, but I agree on this play. This was designed to be the bubble by that motion pre snap. Got that uh, safety Hufanga out of the way. And now yep. Kyle Pitts is one-on-one -on, -one on a slant route. And that's about as easy as it gets down there. Um, I did have another note about the passing game. Drake London right now is not playing full snaps. And I, ha I hate to say this, but Olamide Zacchaeus, who is smaller, is playing in the one wide receiver set snaps right now over Drake London. And it's clearly because of the run game. I don't know why that is, but clearly the decision, the coaching staff has made this decision until that happens. Drake London's ceiling floor combination is a little bit lower than I was hoping. With that said, you can roll this clip right here. Drake London, every single week has a couple plays and this is a, a physical back shoulder. Uh, doesn't create separation play, but he's not creating separation because he has an ISO ball and the quarterback knows he's throwing it to him immediately. I think Drake London will be good. I think he's gonna be very volatile and he's just going to ball out in negative game scripts. We need the Falcons to start losing some games here. <laughs> the coolest part of this play is, hey, I actually think it's an RPO, like a vertical mm -hmm. RPO. Because as, as you can see with the blockers, it's not just pass pro. They're trying to really get to the second level here. Um, but you don't really see this style of an RPO that often where, hey, it's going to be a back shoulder if I am throwing it. And what you are saying, and I'm going to pull up their schedule here right now. Uh, we need the Falcons to be losing in order for all these guys to hit um, in, in the passing game. And then up next, it's the Bengals, the Panthers, the Chargers, and the Panthers again for them. So it's yeah. not just like, hey, we're playing the Lions and the Seahawks and everyone can get there. Yeah, just to, to further that point, 67% snaps last week. He's the wide receiver 57 in usage over the last month. That includes a lot more games where it's been even. He's been hurt or they've been winning games has not been the right formula. That does not mean that Drake London and Kyle Pitts can't go off uh, in certain games. About 73% of you each week who watch this episode for the first time, do not subscribe. What the hell is wrong with you? You losers hit that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up. We know you like the content. You stay for much longer than that. So join us here every single week. 
and maybe most importantly, for our Thursday and Friday shows, as well as the Instant Reaction one. And we've got new programming coming at you on Thursday morning uh, with Scheme, with Josh McCown. This week, it's all Josh Allen and all Patrick Mahomes, the Dueling Dragons, and that's going to be electric. So be sure to tune in to that. Major changes for the Baltimore Ravens in two spots. Number one, let's start in their backfield. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had his knee, quote-unquote, lock up. Did not look good at all. Meanwhile, Kenyon Drake steps in, 10 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. It's been hit or miss all season with his backfield group. Uh, Kenyon Drake had his opportunity early in the season, did not claim it, did in this game against the New York Giants. Yeah, the second half, it was all Kenyon Drake. And to be honest, I think he looks pretty good. Like, yeah, he's got some he's got some juice. It's a lot of uh, power concepts and what making one guy miss and just or having wide open lanes. There's a couple of plays where the fullback Patrick Ricard gets out there and really opens things up. Uh, but my guess is that Kenyon Drake is going to be the lead back this week. And we'll see what happens with Gus Edwards. I know that he's nearing a return, but in general, pretty, pretty nervous about J.K. Dobbins. And that's a wide open lane. And Kenyon Drake has just enough burst to to make things happen. So like we've always mentioned, they're not going to throw their running backs. Lamar Jackson is going to get involved in the goal line. So it's not like the sexiest name, but during bye week hell, I think that Kenyon Drake, depending on the status of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, I think will be somewhere around my RB30 range this week. So um, I think he's a, he's a waiver wire candidate. For sure. Talks about instant reactions. Wink Martindale's defense could not shut down quarterback power, or excuse me, running back power. And that is something that we should be watching for as this defense goes along. I know they ultimately did win this with two really advantageous turnovers to, to end the game. Uh, this was a very cool snap from Patrick Ricard, who as a fullback is a massive human being. I love this. What do we guess? Let's eye test it. 285 pounds. Yeah. Uh, also was a part of the loss where when Lamar dropped the snap, tried to target him for a first down. Uh, and so getting him down the field probably isn't part of the game plan. But when you block down here completely and leave this edge rusher one-on-one -on -one with your fullback, one-on-one -on -one with your fullback, Good things are happening. That's a lot of trust. Then you get 72 crushing in here as an oncoming safety who's filling the lane. And look and at Mark Andrews. Just, yeah. That's your that's your all pro wide wide receiver basically down blocking as well. Look at that. Yeah, I, I think I think that is a great comment as he is coming down and taking on the inside linebacker as well. And this Ooh. is why you get someone just completely running for free uh, in into the secondary. Love that stuff. Love the new wrinkles that Greg Roman is throwing at us in the running game. Uh, do not love their record right now. But right. as you have seen, they lost by like one point, three points, and then uh, giving away the victory with like a minute and 50 seconds left. Let's talk about yeah. the wide receivers here, too. We have to. Yeah. Okay. Down the stretch, uh, Lamar Jackson throws that interception. I think it was on third and five, just trying to make a play after a bad snap. Then he has um, a couple plays down the stretch, and this is when they're down – uh, a score with two minutes left, and I hope you have the tape up. It's just isolated man coverage right here. And then on the bottom, Mark Andrews in the slot, you can see that they're bracketing him basically. They're asking Demarcus Robinson up top to make a play. One-on-one -on -one coverage actually creates separation and then drops the ball. The next play is a pretty similar setup. They're going to be bracketing Mark Andrews again. They're asking somebody to make a play, and just neither of it happens. And this is just why they miss Rashad Bateman in particular is because they don't have somebody that they can trust to make a play in isolation outside of Mark Andrews. 
and we saw Rashad Bateman winning in isolation against the Miami Dolphins. Um, they just brought in Deshaun Jackson. Who knows what kind of a role he is going to play. But as you just said, asking Demarcus Robinson to be the outside wide receiver to win one-on-one uh, when now Lamar is being blitzed at such a higher rate. Like Wink Martindale knows Lamar Jackson incredibly well. Lamar last season was awful against the blitz and awful and empty. This season, he's been incredible against the blitz once again. However, they still played man behind it at an extremely high rate because they were not fearful of anyone not named Mark Andrews. And it won them the game at the end because once you create pressure, that's when sacks can happen, so on and so forth. So while Lamar is leaps and bounds better than he was last season, almost to the tune of, of 2019, still lacking that individual weapon or two because we don't have Marquise Brown on this roster anymore. Like mm-hmm. Bateman was the vertical threat and jogging Deshaun Jackson out there. I don't think it's going to fix anything either. No, 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 no. It's, it's Rashad Bateman. They need some size. Like we like Devin Duvernay. We like Devin Duvernay as a schemed up player, a vertical Correct. option. Not, not as the one. Correct. Buffalo bills. I want to save a lot again for Thursday show, but two things here, Josh Allen, absolute baller. And what we get with Devin Singletary, it's really proven now. If it's a neutral or negative game script, as I said in last Friday's show, he is playing 70-plus percent of the snaps. So you've seen Zach Moss games in the past. You've seen James Cook filter in here. Uh, it does not matter. Those are all in complete blowouts, basically. And what we know is Devin Singletary, I think Hayden was top 10 among your expected fantasy points from week mm-hmm. seven, which is shocking. For a Bills running back. Yeah, he's still very hit and miss to me, like based off the talent. I think there's like a, a second and one or a third and one where he like just did not get the yards. Um, but 16.6 expected half PPR points. And this is a fantasy football podcast uh, with Zach Moss scratch. So we'll see if that continues. But I'm guessing it will continue. Uh, he's up to the uh, RB 14 in fantasy usage over the last month. So um Unless they trade for Christian McCaffrey or something like that, the Devin Singletary is going to be somewhere on that RB20 borderline. You posted this kick-ass run from Mitch Morris, the center. Look at him. It's obviously the blocking looks like it's going to be a stretch to the right, but then it's almost a toss counter with him pulling out in front here. I mean, these are a bunch of athletic offensive linemen that they have. Um, but their offensive line isn't nearly as good as it has been in the past. This is just a cool play. Gabriel Davis got called for a hold. Who cares? We love, love, love when cool things are shown in the running game. Uh, and just as we finish this, let's just marvel at some of these big time throws that Josh Allen had. Um, what I love about this too, is there was a period of time in the first, I don't know, three or four weeks where he was throwing down the field about 7.7% of the time. It felt like in this game, as soon as he did see some cover one looks because the Chiefs did have to blitz a bit more now to create pressure, uh, he knew that he was going to attack vertically. We saw that in previous weeks, too, with Gabriel Davis. We saw it in this game with Stefan Diggs as well. So this hasn't gone away at all like it has, let's say, for the Chiefs offense. This is still in their back pocket. And as you know, he can win inside a structure, too, and then create when nothing else is there. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing to watch him play quarterback. The Chiefs were blitzing uh, Josh Allen quite a bit, and then the Gabe Davis touchdown down the sideline was off a of blitz, man coverage, and then same thing with Steph Diggs on his. And then when they go to cover two, there's one play I posted onto Twitter. It's uh, too high shell. They put Steph Diggs into the slot. Option route, whip route against 
a freaking linebacker for a first down. So I don't know what you're supposed to do against this team. Carolina Panthers. Would it be okay if we just took like a 30 second silence here or would that just make everyone leave? Like there's truly nothing to say about this team. As we pointed out, PJ Walker played this past weekend in the upside down, a negative a dot. It's not going to change anything like Sam Darnold will probably come back and be the starter, but I have truly nothing to say here. Um, other than Chris McCaffrey is just the volume King. And unfortunately, if you just look at the opportunities in general, he is basically now Derrick Henry in a bad football team. Before Monday night football started, the Panthers who had played six games ran fewer plays this season than the chargers who had five games and the lions who also had five games. So this team's just not running enough plays. Christian McCaffrey, the team share, his efficiency, all that stuff is there. Everything else around him is completely pathetic. You can't be a starting quarterback and have a negative A dot. Like <laughs> it's it's really that simple, isn't it? That that might be the craziest stat that we've ever said in this podcast. Negative A dot for a starting quarterback. And that was like on like 18 pass attempts. Yeah. What we mean by this, I'll throw it up here right now. All of his passes except for one were behind the line of scrimmage. All of them for PJ Walker. Um yeah, I mean, and they just don't have any red zone opportunities, you know, like it's kind of amazing when you take a step back to see that Christian McCaffrey is actually getting as much production as he is with the Panthers being this bad, you know, mm -hmm. because you're not going to get touchdowns moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough out there. Yeah. Cincinnati Next. Bengals. This is a team that's totally changed, Hayden. Mm -hmm. They totally changed their offense. In week seven, in week six. Um, and by that, we mean the Cincinnati Bengals took two snaps under center. One was a kneel down and one was a quarterback sneak. How did this evolve the usage for Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase and everyone else? Well, I think it's going to be great news for the wide receivers, possibly with Joe Mixon. I think the offense will end up being better this way their shotgun runs uh just historically with joe mixon have been more efficient uh and they looked pretty good last week it's gonna be a, probably a lot of dink and dunk passes so maybe the a dot is not going to be as explosive as it was last year when they were just ripping apart every regression model that there ever was i think they're going to go into empty quite a bit and there's going to be dinking and dunking all over the field and the good news for jamar chase is yeah like we want these deep routes uh yeah. and he will win on those on occasion historically this year They've been bracketing him. It's been harder, but he's so strong after the catch that he can still rip off these plays. And I think both of his touchdowns um, were isolated. Here's one right here on the slant. Um, it was actually a very close play like that for his touchdown. And then the second one, uh, Tyron Matthew didn't want to tackle and he ran right by him. So I think this is great news for, for all of them. I think this is the move that they had to make. It's, it's very similar to kind of the LSU offense that he was running when he had a lot of success. Um, and I think this is going to be pretty sticky. I'm not sure how much more under center they're going to go. And because they are in shotgun so often, they had their highest neutral pass rate of the season, like about like 73% or something crazy like that. Yeah. Just to give some perspective to, to this in week two, week three, and week four in shotgun, it was 24, 32 and 33% week five and week six, 76% and then 86%. Um, it's so clear that Joe Burrow is more comfortable with this dynamic. It's also clear that this team is trying to get in more ways to use Jamar chase in certain situations where this was a season high in snap rate for him this year at 30%, 30%. And you can also see it from the charts where in week four and week five, 
very few out of them over the middle and a lot of stuff just trying to get down the field other than some manufactured touches there in week five. And then you're starting to see a little bit from week six that we saw in those 100 snaps that he played in week one where, hey, we can be a bit more creative here with just the stagnant and static Jamar Chase of, of getting vertical. Uh, it's not fixed in totality, but I do think it helps Joe Burrow. It helps Joe Mixon 100% as hopefully the offensive line continues to gel as we move forward. Cause I think that that's been a huge issue in multiple phases as well as Joe Burrow adjusting just to mm-hmm. how defenses are playing him, you know? Yeah. I, I think that this is a good time to be buying Joe Burrow. If you can buy T Higgins off of a, so I mean, he didn't look right. Like I think we can mostly just kind of yeah. throw away this game and the volume was still there. He escaped without a setback this week. I think that you should be buying, all Bengals, I think that they can have a pretty solid uh, second half of the season. Even if it's more receptions than yards, um, I think it's going to be good news for the entire team for fantasy. Okay. I skipped the Chicago Bears. I think the good. most important quote from them today was Matt Eberflus said that we were going to ride the quote-unquote hot hand at the running back position. We've seen great snaps from Khalil Herbert this year. We've seen great mm-hmm. snaps from Dave Montgomery the quote-unquote hot hand, Hayden, would be very different than what we've seen this season where it's been a two-for-one series-for-series split in this backfield. Yeah, and that's how it was even last week, too. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Khalil Herbert has been dominating, so I understand why they would do this. But as you see, David Montgomery, then Khalil Herbert, Montgomery, Herbert, all the way throughout the game. Herbert gets down to the red zone after a huge uh, carry, so I wouldn't like, look into like the red zone stats or anything like that. But yeah, this... This makes some sense to me because Khalil Herbert has been that good. I think that David Montgomery has been mostly fine in his own right. Um, this team just needs to score more points as well. or it's all They're all going to be pretty capped. Like I think uh, Darnell Mooney had his season high in fantasy usage. It was like eight points. So yeah. it's just the running backs. And we're fans of both. Like you, You're allowed to like David Montgomery. You're allowed to like Khalil Herbert. Um, you don't have to decide between the two it has been fascinating for this team that they aren't like one of the lowest teams in terms of creating explosives as a unit because of how great their rushing attack has been. Tevin Jenkins, after not knowing if he's a left tackle or right tackle, a third string or whatever, he's stepped in as one of the, you know, best young guards in the league so far this season. And then speaking of Khalil Herbert, just in isolation, just 63 rushing attempts for him so far this year. Uh, but he has as many force missed tackles as the likes of Armandre Stevenson, Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders. And then just a few below him, one behind him is David Montgomery. Both of them are top mm-hmm. 14 at the position, despite having, again, just 63 and 62 rushing attempts between the two. Uh, Justin Fields this year, they've been throwing more screens. I think last year was like 6% of his dropbacks were screen. This year is like 18%. And that's why you see... Uh, kind of this chunk on the screen, uh, which are some to the running backs, some to like Cole Komet, some to Darnell Mooney, but I think more screens is something that needed to happen to get Justin Fields the ball. Uh, I do think they need to run more QB design stuff before he becomes somebody that's like a recommended QB2 streamer. I think he's like worst case scenario QB2 streamer right now. Uh, if we get a couple more design stuff, then maybe we can get Justin Fields back on the radar. Cleveland Browns. Patriots had an awesome defensive game plan here for an offense that had really been humming in ways that they could have success in, along with Jacoby Brissett playing over expectation. Um, what they did, at least from my amateur eyes, was have a ton of attention on Amari Cooper and say, hey, someone else on your roster beat us, as we also have some bullies up front and we defend the run 
incredibly well. Um, I'm not sure if that is a game plan that every single team can replicate, but it is something to monitor because after a decent start to the season, the Browns have kind of fizzled out here over the last couple weeks. Yeah, and Nick Chubb, season low, 7.9 expected half PPR points in a blowout loss. That's nothing expected. Uh, Kareem, Kareem Hunt, also season low in the blowout loss as well. He hasn't been like getting there in like negative game scripts nearly as much as I thought, and he's weirdly been very inefficient. Like Kareem Hunt's historically very efficient. This year, it's not been the case. And, like Last week would have been the week where like, oh, all of a sudden, Kareem Hunt could pop off. Just didn't really happen there. David Njoku, though, uh, five straight games with 8.4 expected half PPR points. I still think he looks good. Amari Cooper, very inconsistent just because if the game script gets too positive, then they're not going to throw the ball. Uh, but still, once again, top 10 in wide receiver fantasy usage over the last month. So very condensed offense. Even if Jacoby My- or Jacoby Brissett isn't going to be all that efficient, the consistency issues and stuff, at least the ball is only going to occur- a couple of players. Dallas Cowboys. Sounds like Dak Prescott's going to come back here at quarterback. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited because, you know, seems like Jason Peters might be playing left tackle. That means they can move Tyler Smith maybe to back to guard, even though he's been quite good out on the edge. Meanwhile, you finally get Dak Prescott with C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, and maybe some easier play calls for him that gives him some schemed up things early in his progressions like Cooper Rush has received versus the issue that I've always had with the Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott dynamic where they've leaned a bit too much on his ability to go through a perfect progression and then deliver it to the open man. Yeah, I totally hear you with that. I'm, I'm hoping that is the case. I think just for everybody, the efficiency will get better. I know that the Cowboys won a bunch of games with Cooper Rush, but we need like Zeke Elliott in particular needs Dak Prescott because he's only scoring on goal line opportunities yeah. and they have not been at the goal line uh, at all. I, I thought that Jake Ferguson had a little bit of pop there with Dalton Schultz sideline. Um, we'll see what Schultz's injury, how long it keeps him out. But I think that in a deep league, if you had to, I think that he is startable and then Michael Gallup as you said season high 11.3 expected half PPR points last week 78% of the routes I've seen a couple splash plays from him has not been there in the box world that much but I'm hoping in November with Dak Prescott fully healthy it takes probably him a couple weeks to get fully going and Michael Gallup I think later in the season can do some stuff and then Noah Brown your guy does make a couple of random big plays nearly had the catch of the year uh, in the end zone there to your point on Zeke and everyone hates Zeke but we have historically seen him score so many touchdowns. This year, he only has one carry inside the five-yard line. Yeah, And Tony Pollard has the other one. Like, the running backs in this team have shared two, and they both have scored touchdowns on them. And I think uh, Pollard, I think it was the t- pony personnel, maybe in, in week one with Dak <laughs> yeah. We talked about it. I think it was the pony personnel, just a weird, weird little play design. Yeah, Zeke Elliott is 100% reliant on uh, – on the touchdowns, he he is pass protecting better than Tony Pollard. I think that's why he's staying on the field a little bit. And, and to move it back five yards, Zeke has three carries inside of the ten yard line. Tony Pollard has two. To move it back ten yards after that, you add on only one attempt for each in the running game. Ezekiel has four carries inside the red zone. Tony Pollard has four carries inside of the red zone. It'll get so better. That is not the formula for Ezekiel Elliott to be scoring touchdowns in the year twenty twenty two. I guess he would be a Buy low. I, because, I mean, I'm guessing his. I'm not I'm guessing to say this. His price is probably zero. Like you yes. probably offer a bag of Doritos. Denver Broncos. So, simplifying this, 
if Melvin Gordon opened the season splitting reps with Javante Williams, and then on Monday night football, apparently Melvin Gordon isn't good enough to split reps with Latavius Murray. Um, what is Melvin Gordon doing here on our rosters? I know it's not that easy. And when you consider that when the game that Javante tore his knee, he was basically dominating the snaps and it wasn't quite the 60, 40 split we had seen between the backs. Anyways, I think this is highly disappointing for not just Melvin Gordon as an individual, because I think he's still talented, but moving forward, I don't know how this changes at all because on paper, they do the exact same thing with Mike Boone in the passing game. The entire second half is all Latavius Murray and, and overtime as well. So yeah, they benched him straight up. There was no, there's no injury, no nothing like that. So we'll see if they they try to trade him. I know that he was liking tweets on on Twitter earlier. Um, he has not played as as well as he did last year. Like last year, I thought it wasn't just like the fumble, like fumbles aside. I bet Melvin Gordon was like running better last year. Uh, this year has not been nearly as good. Maybe the Rams come calling or something like that, but I, I don't know what I'm gonna do rankings wise. I think I would rank Latavius. RB 30 and Melvin RB 40s. Same thing with Mike Boone. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it won't matter because the offense stinks. You yeah. know, like it, it, it truly, even if there was a 60 40 split, it doesn't matter. This offense is so terrible. Let's talk about that offense. It's a unit that's built off different personnel groupings that then incorporates only routes where Russell Wilson will throw them to. Uh, I think the bright spot is Greg Dulcich immediately coming back and seeing what 78% of the team snaps, which is important for a team that we have seen uh, Andrew Beck, who's kind of a fullback, um, Eric Salbert, Albert O was inactive for this game. They've got another dude that I can't even remember. Um, and then now Greg Dulcich, but yeah, he scores that touchdown on kind of a sale route. Uh, tight end is a, as a wasteland at times. And it feels like on paper, if you just look at this is an early draft pick by this regime, and immediately once he's eligible to come off IR, they bench and make an active, the athletic tight end, and feature him immediately. That's all systems go as he gets more accustomed to this offense. I think he is legit. I really liked him in college despite being a little Bruin. And he's got he's got some he's got some juice. He's trying to become the first Bruin to record over 250 career NFL receiving yards since the 2006 draft, which is one of my favorite stats ever. And he almost got in one day. He's very explosive. Uh, and he he's, I think, put on a little bit of weight. He, he looks like he can kind of hold up. You said 78% snaps. It was 80% routes. So he's full-time player in, in a, a lot of these situations. You can do worse for tight end two streamers. Like for waiver wire candidates, he would be right there with like Robert Tunyon, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially for a team that runs like, you know, three tight end sets a lot in comparison to the rest of the league. It's a, it's a his, weird offense, man. <laughs> his issue is if he runs in, any route between the hashes, yeah, it's he gone. might as well just lay down. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the Detroit Lions who are coming off a bye. Um, I actually wanted to, do a little post by review of this team because the injury reports haven't hit here on their practices. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown was the wide receiver six in fantasy points per game in games. He legit played in Deandre Swift was the running back seven in the three legit games he played in Jamal Williams was the running back nine in every game he's played in uh, man. Then that last point, can this still work as two backs that we can start on a weekly basis because mainly while why Jamal Williams has gotten there, even despite the bye week and despite getting 
torched by the Patriots defense. He is still second in the league right now with carries inside the five yard line and has four mm-hmm. touchdowns off of those. Yeah, this is a very hard question for me to answer. I thought about it a lot. I, the, the numbers, both of the players have been playing overexpected by a wide margin. Like the DeAndre Swift, like big play rate and stuff is a little bit outrageous, even for somebody yeah. as explosive as DeAndre Swift. Um, we'll see. I think I'm, I'll be ranking DeAndre Swift on the RB12 border. I don't think I see him being a top five running back unless he gets the Jamal Williams carries. So like you said, they sub him in. It's not like he's just like getting lucky. Like they sub him in at the five yard line a lot. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the TJ Hawkinson numbers obviously were buoyed by Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, Chark being absent. So there's all, all of a sudden we, we got, we got to get Jared Goff playing at these elite uh, levels again. I did notice, I think a, a defensive tackle uh, for the Lions put on injured reserve as well. This defense is only going to get worse probably. Um, so that will help all of these lines uh, fantasy players. Jamal Williams is one of six running backs with 100% of their team's carries inside the five-yard line. Damian Pierce, Josh Jacobs, Jamal Williams, Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Dillon, and Sonny Michelle. It's pretty crazy. Uh, And just talking about the Lions, they've scored a boatload of points, as we all know. I mean, it was 36 against the Commanders, 24 against the Vikings, 45 against the Seahawks. And then they got shut out the last time we saw them, you know, zero points. And then after the bye week, they face a Dallas Cowboys defense, which is a top five unit in the league. Like that is very different than let's say the, the Denver Broncos, who's put it like 16, 16, 11, nine and 16 so far this Mm -hmm. season. So I, I think that the last time again with the Patriots, it wasn't just them defensively, even though they know how to put Jared Goff in a blender. It's also how many injuries, namely to Amon Ross St. Brown, that they had and how core, critical of a piece and along with DeAndre Swift. But it, immediately we get a big test out of them, and I'm, I'm excited to see it because it's a really fun offense to watch. Yeah, so. I'm guessing we've seen the best of it. or I know for a fact we've seen the best of it. It's just how, yeah. much, how much are they going to regress. But if Swift is like hobbled or not as much as a full-time player as he was in those first three games coming out of a bye, then obviously Jamal Williams goes back to exactly how we were previously ranking him to. Like that's pretty simple because the opportunity. Jameson Williams uh, seems like the target date before the season started was around Thanksgiving. So we're probably a full month away from that. If we get anything from him, that's a bonus. Uh, I thought he was really good. So this is, this is exciting offense for the long term. Green Bay Packers, another offense that's broken. Uh, The New York jets this past weekend weren't scared of the Packers receivers because they sat in cover one for a season high 37.7% of the passing plays uh, on those situations. Aaron Rodgers completed seven of 14 passes, seven of 14 passes. I think it's multiple reasons. Like you can chalk that up to maybe the wide receivers not being as good on an individual basis. I don't want to chalk this up to just the lack of wide receiver talent, because I also think it's just Aaron Rodgers in general, who's not trusting the offense right now. And it's pretty clear from a clip that I retweeted that he hates the current situation of so much motion and window dressing that's succeeding for other teams. But he just wants to see the visual of what the defense is pre-snap because then he knows who to throw to post-snap. Yeah, it's he's having a very weird season. He's just not letting the ball rip as much as he has. But when he does, he's been making some insane throws. Like both of these throws to Alan Lazard, who, by the way, is going to be inside the top 10 in yards per hour run versus man coverage. 
after this week, he entered the week uh, as the wide receiver 12, and then he made two insane plays uh, for down down by the sideline again. So uh, it's a Romeo Dobbs thing. It's a wide receiver three thing. There is no wide receiver three anymore. And then both of the running backs have been playing so weird. Like they've both been dropping some passes. There's been pass protection issues. Uh, I think you made a good point on why AJ Dillon was playing a little bit more this week is because we had that one. Uh, I, I think we clipped it is that Al Mazard post route where Aaron Jones whiffed a block. Yep. Aaron Rodgers has to take a sack instead of yep. throwing that ball that cost them a touchdown. AJ Dillon hasn't been running the ball as effectively. And the big thing though, none of the stuff matters if the offensive line can't pick up a stunt. Yep. And we've never had that issue in Green Bay. Never, never. The other part of this is Aaron Rodgers is also just worse in clean pocket situations. This comes from Dan Pazuda of Sharp Football Analysis. Aaron Rodgers is averaging just 0.08 EPA per drop back from a clean pocket this season, which ranks 27th of 33 qualified quarterbacks. It's so odd that he was vocal this offseason about being in confusion with this offense when this offense was a huge reason why he won back-to-back MVPs, you know? But he wants what he wants, and he explained it in that interview. I don't know. I didn't, it's another situation where I don't know how it gets fixed on the fly either. Like you, I don't think Alan Lazard is the problem. Like Alan Lazard probably is going to benefit more than anyone else on this team, I think, for the rest of the season. Uh, but keep that in mind. The usage that we saw in week one of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in tandem in those pony personnels and how well that was working versus what we're getting now, which is none of that. Um, and then also when we get to the New York jets, how his own brother is using these guys in tandem to extreme effectiveness. And then the Packers aren't doing it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very weird offense. Alan Lazard, the wide receiver 24 in usage wide receiver 16 in production over the last month. I think that's going to be pretty stable. I think I'll be ranking him, uh, inside my top 25 wide receivers this next week. Okay. Let's go to the Houston Texans, who are coming off a bye week. Two players, Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks. What Damian Pierce is doing right now is like junior Nick Chubb stuff. 33 force missed tackles he has a season on just 86 rushing attempts. Um, he's also hit big plays. He has nine carries of 10-plus yards. He has a long carry of 75 yards. Rest of season, top 12 running back, despite being in this awful situation. Yeah, I, I keep going back and forth. He's the RB4 on RB4 usage over the last month. Obviously, they were on a bye week, so that plays into this. But he's still not playing the passing downs. But on the early downs, they are scheming him up things. And a lot of the running backs in Fantasyland right now are only only playing on early downs. So it's yep. like not like that he's like the only one that's not a part of the party. Um, I think he's really good. So... I'll be ranking him as like a borderline top 15 running back, depending on the bye weeks and matchups and all that stuff. And I think the matchups are pretty defined, you know, like they get the Raiders off the bye week. Pretty good. Then the Tennessee Titans mm -hmm. and then they get the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a tough one, you know? Yeah. So questions will be answered here in the next three games, but I'm just so glad that like, the area that he won in, obviously in college is the area that he wins in, obviously in the pros. And if Davis Mills plays better too, that can elevate things. But we can only that's hope. a stretch. Uh, we did get Jack Easterby out of there. Did you see that? I didn't Just know. I didn't know he was qualified to make the stats versus film show. Yeah, he's should be honored. Stats versus film versus Bible. Indianapolis Colts. 
this was one of the amazing performances I think of the season was what Matt Ryan did this past weekend and namely what Frank Reich did this past weekend of saying, hey, I don't care if we are a run-focused team. We are throwing the ball from start to finish. And maybe even more mesmerizing was the Jacksonville Jaguars' inability to pick up on any of it to the tune of Michael Pittman having a near-career day, Hayden, in ways that – I don't think is like translatable to even next week because nearly every other defense should be able to shut this down. Just credit, like you said, just to the game plan, the cojones it had, they had to watch what they did in week five and then say, screw it. We're coming out with season high, 73% neutral pass rate and to get a W out of it. So I welcome it. You know, like the running backs caught a bunch of passes. Deion Jackson had a, a career day. And like you said, Michael Pittman on all these underneath routes. I mean, we want deep routes, but I'll take two underneath routes rather than one deep route. And if they want to pass the ball over the yard, then be my guest. We'll see what happens with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. It seemed like Naeem Hines is like close to returning, but um, Michael Pittman, he's good. And he can he can do all the underneath stuff just despite being, what, 6'4", 215 pounds or whatever he is. I want to pause this and show you all just the target chart that Michael Pittman put out here because it's everything over the middle. It's crossing routes. It's slants. And the Jaguars didn't readjust like our halftime adjustments, just a myth. They probably are in the league, but what's an amazing quote from our buddy, John Shipley. And I don't know if this came from a player, if this came from someone else, but they basically said, Hey, we didn't expect them to do this. And we didn't and weren't able to adjust. I don't think we knew that they were going to hit crossing routes the whole game. Quote, obviously, when they started doing it the whole game, there's adjustments that we should have had. You didn't. You didn't. And even to the tune of like a third or second and 13 near the end and Shaq Griffin's playing nine yards off and just allows him to get out of the middle of the field and convert. Like, it's unbelievable stuff that we're seeing this at the NFL level each week. And I've liked the Jaguars. They've been fun, but... It seems like there's something up every single week, but credit again, like you said, to to Matt Ryan and the Colts for for making this work. Jaguars are young, you know. We can't force them to be a good team all of a sudden. This was it. This is the play. Like his final catch. Look, this is a third and 13. Obviously, you get the inside route pushing so everything can be underneath it. But on the right side, you have Shaq Griffin, who's been terrified all game, torched all game on these crossing routes, nine yards off. And this was with just a field goal wins it for the other team. And all that you need was seven yards to get into field goal range, potentially. Now they obviously end it with a touchdown, but I just don't get it. They blitz, I do not get it. Blitz middles wide open. It's like the perfect, perfect call against that blitz. So you can argue why are they blitzing on that look or that down in distance, but it's the way she goes. Speaking of the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's talk about them. Because Travis Etienne has taken over as the early down back. Is that fair to say, Hayden? He started for the first time this week uh, or this season. So that's, I think, pretty important for like the narrative of his season moving forward. Don't you think? For sure. I mean, that is extremely notable for, for a team that had been using Travis Etienne as more of an in-space back. But now they are incorporating those edge runs, these toss runs, 
these off tackle runs early, early, early from, from the start, right. And hitting those explosives are truly massive to the tune of 10 carries for 86 yards, two receptions for 22 yards. Um, James Robinson had a couple big plays in him to start the year. We have seen them missing since. So basically what I'm trying to convey here is while Travis Etienne's snap count has been in losses over these last couple weeks, it hasn't been because they are losing or in negative game script while he's playing so much. He's doing it immediately from the start of the game, and I think it will only continue. Uh, in weeks one through three, James Robinson, 14.4 expected half PPR points from weeks four through six. That's dropped to 8.1. His efficiency has dropped a ton. He's A lot of his efficiency numbers have came against that Chargers play where they had nickel against 13 personnel. I'm worried about James Robinson. I'm continuing to buy Travis Etienne if you could somehow pull that off. Yeah, and I'm continuing to buy Christian Kirk. I know it's been two straight weeks and people are frustrated with hearing it from me. Um, I do trust Doug Peterson to get to seven targets, maybe not to the nine to 11 that he he wants every single week, but um, the, the, the Jaguars have just lost in two very different ways over the last two weeks. And I don't know if we've seen the best from them other than that Chargers game so far. Like, I just think that from an organization standpoint, they know that last year was completely lost and it is a group that you grow with, that you develop with during the season. And they just get more comfortable as the season goes along to get rid of all the bad habits that so many of them picked up from the Urban Meyer era. But that's just me. And if you don't believe in Christian Kirk as much, I understand. He 23% target share. I am being a target share, but look at me go. Uh, it was just they didn't throw the ball a ton because the ground game was pretty um, explosive. So if they ever catch negative game script, uh, I think Christian Kirk will will be the guy. Kansas City Chiefs. Previously, Juju Smith-Schuster had been the concern for a lot of people. Uh, we saw a massive week from him. Hayden, can we take that? Can we take that at all? The five receptions for 113 yards and one touchdown, or maybe not. The funniest thing about this is he only had 5.6 expected half PPR points, which is like <laughs> way lower than it has been uh, for the rest of the season. But uh, he has some big plays. They were pretty fluky plays, like his long touchdown. Credit to him for making like three bills basically miss. That came on a broken play where Patrick Mahomes is doing all the Patrick Mahomes stuff. His uh, other yards after the catch play was a rub route where shout out MVS uh, picks his man off and he was wide open a couple back shoulder stuff a couple things underneath and got the job done um, yeah Juju Smith-Schuster I think like this is you take these weeks where he's in the end zone and you credit that just being a part of the Chiefs I think he's probably going to be just a wide receiver three this year uh, over yep. last month uh, wide receiver 26 on wide receiver 32 usage that seems about appropriate for him the rest of the season coming into this week he was so bad efficiency wise we knew that was not going to be the case for the entire season. He's not that bad. He's not great, but he's good enough. And Patrick Mahomes obviously can be a very efficient uh, thrower of the football. Yeah, obviously, I'll break this down with Josh McCown, but just two completions over 15 yards from Patrick Mahomes. It's just more the same that we're getting each week. So it's not just Juju who's supposed to win there. It's mainly Travis Kelsey who's supposed to win there. Then they hit you know, these over routes with Miko Hardman. They're getting these sale patterns with Sky Moore a little bit more often. Right. And MVS is finding some stuff in there too. So it's it's not like... Any one person, as we keep saying every single week, is emerging other than Travis Kelsey. It's just like an orbit in the solar system, mm -hmm. and he is the sun. 
I will say the MVS stuff, it's a lot of like curl routes and stuff, which I don't think is really good for his skill set. Like to me, I want him running in a straight line. Like I don't need him like stopping and turning and all that stuff. Like I want deep crossing routes. I want vertical stuff. And I see a lot of like curl routes. I'm not sure if that's, you know, like I think we saw in the preseason though. Like I remember bringing that up. Like it was inside breaking routes. It was those curls and it was much fewer vertical things. They've almost eliminated the vertical stuff, like even running the routes. Right. You know, yeah, I'm I'm fine with in breaking routes. I just don't want yeah. him stopping. I mean, he's very lengthy. It's hard to be like you know fully turn around on that stuff. So, uh, he did have that touchdown called back, tough run out. Um, better in best ball. Las Vegas Raiders, another team coming off of their bye week. So, if we look at targets inside the twenty, Travis Kelsey is number one with fourteen. Devontae Adams is number two with thirteen. And other than that. It's a wasteland at the pass catching position. And then among running backs, Josh Jacobs inside of the 10 yard line is tied for third with 11 carries. And that has equaled three touchdowns. It's like a two man race. And I think what frustrates me most about this team is that it's kind of set up, especially with Josh Jacobs playing this well for Derek Carr to be playing better. And I was hoping that that would also equal a lot more touchdowns for him. Uh, But Josh McDaniels has not brought his little zest from New England for this team to be better inside of the 20 in terms of scoring touchdowns because trips that have equaled and finished there, they're only scoring a touchdown on 47% of their red zone drives. That's about like a little bit below average. Uh, It is 25th in the league. Yeah. Yeah. It's been tough. I will say over the last month though, Josh Jacobs, the RB one in usage and in half PPR points per game, Devontae Adams, the wide receiver, won overall in expected half PPR points and production. Um, it's going to all them. Uh, we got confirmation that Devontae Adams will not be suspended for his little push. Uh, Darren Waller leaves last week with a hamstring injury. Man, he just hasn't been playing nearly as well. Something to monitor there. Um, if Darren Waller does miss, I think Hunter Renfro becomes a little friskier. Um, and then, yeah, the Mac Holland stuff is basically going to come it's going to stop happening with, with Hunter Renfro back. Like, right. yeah. Right. Miami Dolphins. We'll go back to the LA Rams and the Chargers in a moment. Uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, Mike Gasicki. Mike Gasicki. Is there any reason why that he featured here when we got yeah. both Jalen Waddle over 100 yards and Tyreek Hill over 100 yards? Explain this to me. Trade bait. <laughs> That's all I got. I don't know. Like, I don't trust it. Uh, they started 3-0. and I think they've been 0 3 since. Uh, it does show a difference from an eye test perspective of Teddy and obviously Skylar Thompson to what Tua was. Because I think when you see those other two quarterbacks in there, it just doesn't flow as well. You know, it, it just doesn't connect as well. And as much as we can talk about Tua and the deep ball, so on and so forth, he's been nearly pure on those intermediate passes from 10 to 19 yards so far this season. He is going to be the starter. It should be uh, in this upcoming game. For them, And I'm excited to see it once again, because again, it all just flows and connects a lot better. The rhythm is all there for the timing of it all. And uh, I just want my Mike McDaniel offense back, especially now that they have ditched Chase Edmonds and bring in Raheem Mostert as the better runner. Uh, only thing I'm monitoring here, Jalen Waddle, potentially with like a little bit of a shoulder injury late in the game, um, something to monitor. Maybe that's why Gasicki had a good game. And he did have that one touchdown down 14 with a minute and 30 seconds left. So I wouldn't focus too much on two touchdowns that Mike Kosicki had. 
Los Angeles Rams. Allen Robinson, man, we've got the highlights to prove it so the people don't have to go back and watch the entire game. Uh, scores a touchdown, is more involved in the offense. Um, this team is still getting worse, though, because Joe Noteboom, now their left tackle, is out for the season. But this was the theory of the play. This exact, this exact moment inside of the 10-yard line, few teams, if any, throw as much as he lost into his Rams, tries to get jammed, dives under it from Dante Jackson, goes for a fade, and Allen Robinson gets the score. So what? That is two usable weeks out of six for A-Rob, and I don't know how many more we're going to get, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's tough out there. Um, the offensive line injuries keeps getting worse. Um, on offense, the big news, obviously, is the... What, Did you see this play? No, I missed it. Okay, look at him trying to get off this. <laughs> uh, that's tough. I saw I saw somebody mocking him. Like he, he was like trying to get a, a flag called, and the defender was right in his face, like mocking him. It was it wasn't a good look for him. But uh, enough of this. Uh, the running back situation. Cam Akers seems like they're trying to trade him. Or he will get traded. I'm pretty sure. Daryl Henderson last week, season high, fourteen point four expected half PPR points. He had thirteen week one when he was the guy. So Daryl Henderson, I think, will be. Somebody I'm forced to rank inside the top 15, top 20, depending on the matchups. Uh, Tyler Higby, uh, re- really weird usage, uh, 60% routes, season low 2.0 expected half PPR points. He was on the injury reports. So I wonder if that was the the main focus there. But otherwise, this offense is it's Cooper Cup, the running back in Tyler Higby. We mentioned Van Jefferson, who might be coming back after the bye week. Uh, 50 receptions, 802 yards, and six touchdowns for them. They've been missing someone kind of like this, a a real vertical presence, you know? Dude, they really do need him. But the issue with all this is Matthew Stafford's obviously playing worse, but the offensive line is just so much worse. Like, we've said three things about the Rams here, and I, every single statement has to begin with, does it necessarily matter because the offensive line is so bad? You know, they've had such great injury luck over the past few seasons when they've been good as a team. And it's just come crashing down that now you're playing second, third, even fourth stringers at times. And for a true pocket quarterback who was making a difference last year when Odell Beckham came in because he was getting to that backside concept that's supposed to be Allen Robinson this season. That's not going to happen when you're playing good teams with this bad of an offensive line. It's it's purely that simple. Yeah. Okay, there's that's no what you want to say. I mean, there's no fixing this. Los Angeles Chargers, uh, Josh Palmer had about 90 yards of defensive pass interference to go along with what, like 12 targets, nine receptions, 60 something yards. Uh, Keen Allen seems like he's about to be back. So I don't know how much we can take. Um, but what we have seen is Josh Palmer mainly being used as an outside wide receiver. DeAndre Carter has been in the slot. So when Keen Allen does come back and it's three wide receiver sets, that same or similar alignments should happen. Josh Palmer season high 15 expected half PPR points. He's not on the redraft radar. Once Keenan Allen comes back, uh, my main notes here, obviously Austin Ecker continues to go nuclear scores, a touchdown from the six yard line. So he's getting closer to the goal line, but still not at the goal line. Josh Kelly hasn't has a knee injury week to week. So now Sony Michelle and Isaiah Spiller are going to be the backups for Austin Eckler. If you are rotating your backup running backs, uh, Gerald Everett, I think now this is something that does have some fantasy relevance with Donald Parham, 6.9 expected half PPR points over the last two weeks. Before that, 9.7. So there's been a, a bit of a drop. His uh, snaps went down to 58% last week. So I think 
Gerald Everett was somebody every single week I put him inside of my top 10. Now I'm really going to have to think about it. It's going to be pretty bi-week matchup related. And my last note, Mike Williams, Pat Sertan, man. Like we got to talk really about good. every single week. We Once we get to the matchups, who is guarding or who is going to be guarded by Pat Sertan? This, off, this defense right now is absurd. I think Mike Williams has three games under 30 yards and three games with over 80 yards so far this season. Uh, so that's the true Mike Williams experience. And you have to live with that roller coaster. Yeah. You just have to. Um, however, I think it would be better if, you know, Justin Herbert was allowed to throw vertically down the field a bit more. Like, this is just what this offense is with Joe Lombardi. Uh, I nearly photoshopped Justin Herbert's face onto the PJ Walker one and threw that out there because yeah. there are some segments of it that's the same. I mean, just to take it from a average depth of throw perspective. In 2020 as a rookie, 7.8. Last year in 2021, 7.9. This year it's dropped down to 6.8. Um, in terms of passing depth, just 10% of his passes are traveling 20 plus yards. He's completing a good number of them. 13 of 27 has three touchdowns on those. Yet we're just not getting it. We're just not getting it more. And I understand because it's Rashawn Slater and it's all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But even before then, we weren't getting it, Hayden. Yeah, no, beforehand, for sure not getting it. He has been pressured at like a ridiculous clip, but he never gets sacked because Justin Herbert is getting rid of the ball uh, so quickly. And I just, they don't have the juice. Like that's why I was hoping they were like trading for Robbie Anderson. But yeah, Josh Palmer and Mike Williams aren't, aren't exactly bringing the juice. Going back to that Photoshop thing, uh, one of my favorite tweets of all time from me was me photoshopping Big Ben stuff. Uh, look at all these quote sheets, 384 of them. They, they all got got. One of my favorite tweets from me is mm-hmm. a sentence I never thought you would utter. But uh, we all I mean, get that. Was a, that was an all-timer. <laughs> I was getting all the, the, the blue check marks on that one. Minnesota Vikings. Um, it's weird. I don't think Justin Jefferson had a reception until like a few minutes left in the second quarter of this week or something like that. He just wasn't going off. And then he did. And then he did. And then you obviously get a Dalvin cook 50 plus yard run right after that turnover. Um, the Vikings, I don't think have fulfilled all of our ceiling expectations for them so far this season, but I have liked a bit more as Adam Thielen's, you know, efficiency or involvement has progressed over the last couple of weeks, but it's still not just like, Hey, I can't wait to watch the Minnesota Vikings every weekend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Five straight games for Adam Thielen with 11.5 expected half PPR points or above. He's over the last month has been the wide receiver 18 in usage. He hasn't been the same type of player, but that usage is pretty bankable. Um, yeah. I haven't watched this Vikings game yet. It's something I definitely want to do before our next show. Uh, my only note, Dalvin cook 87% snaps last week. Uh, the previous week we talked about as a two for one rotation with Alexander Madison. Uh, Alexander Madison was on the injury report was questionable going into this. So maybe that played a factor, but something to monitor. I, I will say, I, I, I feel like the Vikings always are catching a lot of strays. Like when I'm hearing them talked about, mm. they're winning a lot of games. They can rush sure. the passer. This is the first year into this new offense and they're moving the ball somewhat. I, my theory is always as the season goes on with these new coaches, it'll get better and better and better and better. So I'm leaving the light on this NFC is completely wide open. You know, you got Justin Jefferson, you have three decent wide receivers. You have a okay quarterback. Like there's worse formulas. I have a feeling the Vikings will be making an appearance on a couple weeks from now 
when they face the uh, Arizona Cardinals on October 30th uh, on that Friday show. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that we might want to target that matchup. Okay. New England Patriots. Let's talk about Tyquan Thornton. He brings something different to this team. You know, you have Devontae Parker out there. You have Jacoby Myers as a volume player. But from the first snap at Tyquan Thornton out there, he had explosiveness. He had speed. And I loved that Matt Patricia put him in situations that we haven't seen from the other playmakers, that he's been craving someone like this with some touches near the line of scrimmage or in the backfield, which we love to see. I think it's super impressive, and this is what we saw in the preseason. They really trust him to be in like a versatile role. Like I'm guessing he's a really smart player, and I'm guessing if, if we got some coach quotes, that would they would back me up because they put him all over the field. And that's pretty impressive for a rookie. And obviously, he's got juice for days, but it's way tougher than like his what 180 pound frame would suggest. I remember that they were having him down block uh, in condensed sets as well. Get get him on the end of rounds. They need juice in this offense. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I, I do think that he can play. Um, there's a little bit of a wide receiver rotation that kind of held back Tyquan Thornton to only played on 73% of the routes all as an outside receiver, basically. Um, but I think they hit on him. You know, I think that this is a second round pick that will be a starter long-term. We'll see if he's a wide receiver three wide receiver two or a, a true leader. Um, but I think he's got some juice Four receptions, 37 yards, a score, three carries, 16 yards and a touchdown to your point. He had eight snaps in the slot. 11 snaps is left wide receiver, 21 snaps is the right wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. He can create instant separation. And again, most notably, I think we saw Jeremy Fowler tweet out today that Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne mentioned as trade target possibilities. And Joe Judge, as Tyquan Thornton as a route runner, quote, for a tall, linear built guy, he has a lot more looseness than you think. He's got some savvy to him. The thing that really jumped out in training camp was seeing him in short space. He does a good job of finding open spaces. I think speed is a critical part of this offense and the kind of evolution that we've seen from them so far this season. Because as weird as it sounds, like Bailey Zappi was testing vertically despite his arm. And Mac Jones is one of the league leaders in terms of percent of his passes going 20 plus yards so far this season at 20%. And he was damn good. The last time we saw him throwing to Devonte Parker. So what if some of those don't just go to a contest catch wide receiver, but they also go to a vertical burner in Taekwondo Thornton. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Throw him out that Z spot. Let him, let him go crazy. New Orleans saints. You were right about Alvin Kamara. Look great. Tons of usage. I just don't exactly know because they have a top 10 pick at this point. Like the Saints aren't close to what they thought they were going to be. I bet we see Andy Dalton as a starter until mm. he proves otherwise. That's my thought. Yep. Both are limited with injuries that we'll see what happens there. I guess like the, the crazy scenario would be if both are too limited and the Taysom Hill gets a bunch of quarterback play. Uh, early injury report, Michael Thomas and... Jarvis Landry, both DNP. So the thing they're going to get Chris Olave back without the other two, he's obviously going to be ranked very high uh, in general. It depends on the quarterback. Um, Alvin Kamara, when when you have Andy Dalton instead of Jameis Winston, that's a win. When you have no wide receivers healthy, that's a win. The rest of it down the stretch, we'll see what happens. Um, the team just isn't as good. Um, I think that will hurt Alvin Kamara and like they get Taysom Hill and Mark Ingram involved in the goal line. So th- this could be a sell high window-ish. Um, I don't know who you'd be trading for, but kind of depending on 
your entire roster, but he has looked a little bit better these last two weeks. I think primarily because the environment around him, like you couldn't have a, a better nut run out than what you've had with Alvin Kamara. New York Giants. Wandale Robinson returned to the lineup and he was another player despite a shorter snap percentage. They got involved, I think, in really important scenarios. Uh, we keep using this word. He had some jets to him, you know, yeah. like the rest of their wide receivers. If you look at Richie James, Marcus Johnson, David Sills, they have no burst. They have no explosion. And Wandale Robinson does also love that this was a drawn up touchdown for Wandale Robinson. It's basically 84 13, namely 13, creating a pick here. And then, hey, run to the pylon, Wandale. We're going to get to you and you get to walk in. Congratulations. And these slot snaps that he's mainly seeing or in bunch sets, they're not closer to the line of scrimmage. He's basically running these intermediate over routes, which some of these clear routes either outside or to the right side. And then he's going to that empty space. It's just you're faster than your opponent. Let's get you there and let's throw you the football. It's another style, another element they don't have at their decrepit wide receiver grouping. And I, I'm I'm optimistic of the Wandale usage as we move forward, especially in three wide receiver sets. Yeah, 35% routes that will tick up there. Uh, the coaching staff even said after it, that was because he was limited all week beforehand. So worth the speculative ad. I think the ceiling is pretty capped because it's a run-heavy offense. Um, and we'll see if any of the other wide receiver names uh, also get healthy. Um <laughs> I'm not, I didn't say, I didn't okay. say who. that was Kenny Galladay. Rest of season. Wandale Robinson or Cordarius Tony Hayden. Um, like if I, was just, if I was like projecting like more points, I would go Wandale. Who's more likely to like win you your league. Don't make me say it. What I love about the Giants so far this season is they've used their skill position players to the best of their abilities. You know, like they draw them up to whatever talents you have and create open spaces for you. They did that with Matt Breida this past weekend with three running backs, getting them in the wheel, getting them in the intermediate portion. And then he's wide open. Um, they can do that with Wandale. Again, this is, I'm not saying he's an awesome player. I'm not saying he's going to be out there in all two wide receiver sets either, but at the very least in three wide receiver sets, he brings speed to a wide receiver group that has no speed. So I could see us getting some flex territory from uh, from the Frisky Giants, despite just the receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown on limited snaps in his return. Yep, it's cool. There's a path. Uh, uh, Daniel Bellinger, real quick, 7.4 and 8.1 expected half PPR points in the last two games. Both of them were season highs. If you're in a really bad spot, Bellinger is like a tight end two streamer. New York Jets. Michael Floor is the freaking man. The Jets motioned on 85.7% of Zach Wilson's dropbacks when they were trying to create some you know, mismatch, mismatch advantages, uh, allow some, I don't know, defensive personnel to be confused by all of that. Keep that in mind when considering what Matt LaFleur wants to do with Aaron Rodgers. And most importantly, what he's doing with these misdirection is a, another way of putting it. In the running game, I just want to outline these two runs for you, Hayden. So the first one is a Braxton Berrios end around that he gets for the score. Okay. You see, it's looking like power with Michael Carter to the front side. Check out 87, the tight end in the backfield. 
you see all of the focus. Quay Walker, 7, 59, 91. Let's prepare for it. We got to stop this run. 87 peels back. Lead blocker, Dwayne Brown getting to the second level too. This is all from the brain of Mike LaFleur. At the same time, why oh why would the off would the defense be so focused on everything in that direction? Well, follow the pulling linemen. Follow them. Uh, inside counter, free space for Brees Hall. Let's boogie. Let's get into the open field. Like we see these types of things from Mike LaFleur every single week, and so many of them have gone to Brees Hall. Some of them go to go on to Braxton Berrios. And it's so cool to see a team that isn't perfect, especially in the passing game, but wins with great defense and wins with creativity in the running game. And that's enough right now where the NFL is. Brees Hall started for the first time this year, four straight games with over 15 expected half PPR points. And you're getting all of this crazy misdirection. The motion stat you said is unbelievable. Uh, It's like no other offense in the league. It's kind of like, it doesn't even look like the 49ers offense. There's there's way more misdirection stuff pre-snap than what like the 49ers are, are kind of used to. Yeah. And, you know, we perfectly predicted that the opportunities for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore were going to fall off a cliff because it was just going to be a different environment for this team. I think for multiple reasons. One, the defense is playing so much better than they were in the first three weeks. Uh, not chasing points, but they are relying on the rushing game. Um, now we didn't predict that Elijah Moore is going to get zero targets or zero receptions in a single game. To be fair, he did get a deep target that there was just a offensive holding for. Um, but I think that this is a situation where like they are winning this way and it is pretty clear reading between the lines. They don't want to put the ball in Zach Wilson's hands to win a game. And that's very different than some of the best quarterbacks that we see throughout the league or even some of the quarterbacks he was drafted around. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver expected half PPR points with Joe Flacco first with Zach Wilson, 26. So there's your Garrett Wilson stuff. Uh, Garrett Wilson, again, I always say it ran short of the sticks again. Like the, he just, he keeps reminding me of Jerry Judy. That's a compliment and a diss at the same time has not figured it out altogether. Elijah Moore, deep targets only Corey Davis, a guy, a nice out route and then up uh, with a bootleg action. Another play design by LaFleur. Um, the Jets got a little something. The defense, Sauce Gardner, all that stuff. It's it's coming together as a team, which is nice. I haven't seen that much from Zach Wilson himself, but the, no. everything around him, positive. In fact, maybe his debut against the Pittsburgh Steelers was some of his best throws that he made all season. And while you hear every single summer that, hey, this offense is going to use two back sets, we never see it throughout the season. The Jets are the only team that I trust with doing that. And it's because, and this is another stat from Dan Pizzuta, They've averaged 6.67 yards per play with both Brees Hall and Michael Carter on the field together. The rest of the league can't figure out Mike LaFleur is. That's pretty mm-hmm. great. It's pretty, pretty sweet. Okay. Let's go to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Hayden. Uh, the Eagles, simply put, aren't throwing the football as often. Uh, we've seen style changes, and even when he is throwing the football, Jalen Hurts is doing it much closer to the line of scrimmage than he has in previous weeks. Yeah, I was just looking at it for the entire season. A.J. Brown, 13.1 half PPR points on 13.0 expected half PPR points. is like wide receiver one, two borderline. Like you said, it's just they're not passing maybe as much as like what we were really hoping for. But this is kind of what I expected. Middle of the pack, they can win in both phases. It's going to depend on the matchups, depend on the scoreboard. While they're winning, they're not passing a lot. I think maybe if 
things start tightening up, the point differential closes a little bit, then all of a sudden they'll pass a little bit more. All, the whole offense is good. It's just yes. you have to just do the math, and that's the worst part about fantasy is the math. And we say it every single show, they win in numerous ways, right? But I, I did want to bring up like just the differences in Jalen Hurts' game because he opens you know, in week two and week three of this season, throwing down the field at nine to 9.1 yards and 11.8 yards. They have that weather tsunami against Jacksonville at 6.2. Then these last two weeks against the Arizona Cardinals who, you know, blitz and do some fun stuff up front, 3.5 average depth of throw. Then Dallas Cowboys who also rushed the passer very well. And you have Lane Johnson missing for half the game, 4.7 yards. So like, even for a quarterback who last year was among the league leaders in 20 plus yard attempts last season. Now he's about 27th or 28th in that this year. So I think it's not a bad thing, but it's more efficient targets for AJ Brown, Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard closer to the line of scrimmage. But those targets mean less because they, lack big playability like we saw from AJ Brown in you know weeks one, two, three, so on and so forth. Yeah, the underneath targets are more bankable. They're not as valuable. Like the deep targets are just more valuable. Um less less consistent, but more valuable over the long term. Uh Dallas Goddard, tight end seven on tight end 12 usage. That's as as normal. Devonta Smith, a wide receiver 23 in usage, um, with AJ Brown not separating as much uh away from him. I, I do have like a little thing to to keep in uh keep track of miles sanders on off splits with boston scott which which sounds like a crazy sentence to say but without boston scott 18.9 expected half ppr points with him that's only 10.8 that's a very small sample i'm not reading into that all that much but boston scott mixes in a little bit in some high value situations and that's just enough to maybe move miles sanders down just a maybe one tier um with scott healthy um, Jalen Hurts did not attempt to pass over 20 air yards against the Dallas Cowboys and only 16% of his passes were from that 10 to 19 area too. So it was just all, yeah. all underneath stuff. Um, That's it is Martin. fast. It, it is pretty amazing how dominant this team is in second quarters too. They've scored 112 points in second quarters so far this season. There are nine teams in the league that haven't scored 112 points so far this season as a team. And I could probably name them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Here's one of them. Pittsburgh Steelers. What a weird game this was. We'll get to the Bucks end of it, but like I can't point to you and say, hey, this player did well for an entire game. It was really those final couple of series where it was just magical Mitchell Trubisky to Chase Claypool connection yeah. that really allowed them to be victorious. Is it really that simple? Yeah, it was just kind of a couple of busted plays, Clay, Claypool making a couple plays. It's really hard to read into too uh, much of this stuff. And really, I didn't really have that many notes. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, uh, all have been inefficient on the season. They already said Kenny Pickett will be the starter if he can clear concussion protocol. It seems like they do think uh, that is the case. But Tr- Trubisky had a, was pushing the ball downfield, doing, doing some of the stuff that we were asking him to do. Um, in the backup role. I think it was just kind of a, a fun game for the Steelers. I'm not sure if there was like too much to read into it though. So the weirdest part of this was like in that final drive where they were able to have the game winning score. No, I think it was just running out the clock. A second and two became a third and 15 because of a fumbled snap for Metro Trubisky. And it didn't matter because 
he converted on that third down to a 17 yard gain for Chase Claypool along the sideline. Yep. That's three minutes ago, right? So you think, okay, the Bucks are just going to stop them. No. Second and seven then becomes a third and 11 because of a sack. And then the next snap was what you just saw for Chase Claypool for 26 yeah. yards and two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think Kenny Pickett looked good. Um, Mitch Trubisky, this is maybe like who he was in his element. He looked better than he did in his previous starts. But then this gives us nothing to take and move forward with either. Yeah. So it's like almost a worst case scenario all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of those plays are like broken plays. Great plays. Like, good plays to be making um i'm not sure how sticky any of this um stuff was so i need to rewatch this game on all 22 san francisco 49ers uh, we don't traditionally see this style of a passing attack for san francisco namely jimmy garoppolo dropping back 41 times for 296 yards and two scores but when you're in a negative game script against a team that's just going to run the clock against you over and over like the atlanta falcons are it felt like Kyle Shanahan knew he had to do this. And what that equaled was eight receptions, 83 yards, and two touchdowns for Brandon Ayuk. Yep. Season high, 14.6 expected half PPR points. Climbs to wide receiver 42 in usage over the last uh, four games. He needs this game script to, to be effective. We talked about how the math usually doesn't work. Uh, unexpectedly, they are trailing by two touchdowns the whole game. Then he has a quality game. Debo Samuel played a, a couple more snaps back at running back than I was expecting. Um, yeah, this... This offense is like pretty straightforward, just like which one of the three is going to have a big game. The other two probably won't. Uh, running back situation getting a, getting a little bit dicier. Jeff Wilson, season low, 4.2 expected half PPR points. Tevin Coleman uh, still mixing in. You had uh, TDP back in the lineup. Elijah Mitchell is getting closer to return. I saw Christian McCaffrey's name in trade talks. It seems like a kind of a mess in the backfield. Um, Jeff Wilson needs positive game scripts. Okay, we've got two fun games and teams here. Let's kick it off with the Seattle Seahawks because it's time to continue to marvel at what Kenneth Walker III is doing. 21 carries, 97 yards and a score, two receptions, 13 yards. Um, And he just makes it look fun, Hayden. Here are the four plays I want to talk about with Ken Walker. What he does so well is he presses the line of scrimmage and keeps the defenders in the middle of the field and then has enough athleticism to win outside. He sucked that uh, defensive player back into the side and is able to create some plays. Look at the linebacker here, steps into the line of scrimmage, chasing Ken Walker, gets low, bounces back outside, and then makes a couple defenders miss. He's so elusive. This next play I want to show you, look how low, how flexible, how much burst Ken Walker has. You don't see a player getting this low. This is absurd to me. This play didn't go anywhere, but I've never seen a running back get that low uh, to me. And then the last play of this was the touchdown run. Same exact thing. Had to make a defender miss. Has the safety in the hole. Gets low. Bounces back outside. Does a little bit of like a, a almost a stiff arm move. A little leaping stiff arm thing. And then ends up cleaning this oh, up he? with a nice dance move. So really impressive game for Ken Walker. Uh, all the way up now to 16.8 expected half PPR points last week. 39% routes isn't ideal but it gets the job done. DJ Dallas is going to be mixing in in the two minute drill, but uh, he's just a really special player. They have the Chargers up next. That's a fun defense to run up against. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about the plays you just outlined was on the television copy. And I think it can be fair at times. It looks all herky jerky. Yeah. But it's often setting up that second level linebacker uh, pressing and then bouncing it. And he just moves different, man. Oh, yeah. 
there's a method to his madness. And like you said, when you're watching the games, and there'll be a couple plays where it doesn't work, you know, yes. and that's just like part of the thing. He'll lose two yards. But if you watch it from the end zone, all of a sudden you see what he's doing. And that's what he did at both Wake Forest, where it was absurd. At Wake Forest, they would give him the ball and he would stop and then he would make his decision. And then at Michigan State, a little more pro style. And now it's like really turned him into like a very unique player. I think a very translatable skill set. Um, and this wasn't just this week. This was a couple weeks in a row that he's been doing this. Yeah. And this is why that even if the Seahawks offense takes a few step back and isn't a top 10 unit like we have seen so far this year, well, he can still create big plays because this is all creating on his own. You know, like he has that ability to um, win a one-on-one -on -one matchup, to make and force a, a tackle without even a linebacker or a safety or a cornerback getting two hands on him. And that's the type of big play style of running that translates from good teams to middle teams to bad teams. Obviously mm -hmm. we want the, the Seahawks to be good and he caught two passes. Look at that. He's mm -hmm. got some hands on him. He did. He did. Uh, Gino missed a couple throws. Not proud of it. Uh, yeah. He had one to DK Metcalf. That should have been a touchdown. Maybe one on Tyler Lockett. That Lockett throw would have been very hard to make, but in general right now they're fourth and neutral pass rate over the last four weeks. The offense still looks totally fine by me. The Cardinals offense wasn't going anywhere, so they felt no pressure. Um, yeah, fun offense to watch. They can pass the ball. Gina's doing it on time still, and now they got this another running back that is popping off, so very fun to see. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't have a lot of time to consume content from everyone else. I did earlier this week, and I heard a lot of Tom Brady's washed that he had a bad performance. Going back and watching this game mm -hmm. from the end zone angle, from the sideline angle, that's totally false. Tom Brady was throwing dots here. They're mainly at the end of this, but it's still hit your back foot, release it. These are downfield passes. This is exactly what we wanted to see. Now, with that said, people are going to ask, well, then why weren't they successful? Why did they lose? Why did they only put up, you know, 18 to 20 points, whatever mm -hmm. it was? Do you have an answer here? Yeah, so they kind of rugged us when it comes to the offensive scheme. The last three in week three, 64% neutral pass week four, 62 last week, 70%. We're getting really excited. And then last week goes back to 51%, which is below average. I don't know why they did that. The running game has not been effective uh, when they do pass the ball. I think like you're right, Tom Brady's accuracy, all that stuff is good. Uh, the left guard had a, had a pretty tough day at the office. Um, I thought they got just stuffed at the in, inside the red area a couple times. There's a couple penalties down there, a couple blown blocks that got Leonard Fournette busted up. But I think for the most part, Tom Brady's still throwing the ball. Bro, look really at this well. throw. No, that's insane. Uh, like the dude's not open. He sees 35 with the back of his helmet to the quarterback. The ball is already released. There are safety coming underneath and a safety going over top. This is more or less triple coverage. And he threads it for a beautiful ball to Chris Godwin as a vertical player down the field. And then there are other ones too, where it's like the wide receivers aren't necessarily creating separation yet. The throws are getting there. And this was a dot yeah. to Russell Gage in the end zone that he got his hands under. It looks like from this angle, it hits the ground. It's because it goes directly through Russell Gage's hands. Yeah. Like all of these throws. And then there was one later to Kate Otten, which how can this one, how can you trust yeah, 88? Yeah, it. Oh, it's, a, it's very similar to this one, yeah. How can you trust 88, who's a rookie tied in for you, who's not filling in for Robert Gronkowski? 41, back of your helmet. This conceivably is not open, and then it's just a perfect pass. 
Tom Brady is not the issue for this team. And I continue with huge optimism for Tom Brady for the rest of the season. Again, I will keep bringing up. I know the offensive line talent has diminished because of injuries and because of players who have left, but this eerily reminds me of his first season in Tampa Bay where they took about half the year to get to their, you know, full throttle best offense. And then they hit their stride to win the Super Bowl. Not saying they're going to do that, but with the NFC so wide open, if they just get good in weeks 14, 15, 16 and beyond, it's a bit late, but that can get to them as a huge, huge force once we reach the NFC playoffs. I'd still put him second in the NFC for most likely to show up to the Super Bowl, only behind the Eagles right now. Um, Chris Godwin, big, big week for him. He's up to the wide receiver 11 in usage over the last month of the season. Season high, 17.8 expected half PPR points. More importantly, 91% routes. Made a couple plays down there. Had a He sat down in zone coverage. Tom Brady led him. That was a the one like blemish I thought that Tom Brady had. But Chris Godwin's moving well. Made a couple plays where he had to go up and go down. His knee looked fine. Uh, to me, Chris Godwin, I think, is going to be a huge part of the fantasy storyline the rest of the season. Maybe that's a, a little bit bad news for for Mike Evans, but as long as they go back to like the past first Buccaneers, all this there's enough you can make the math work when Tom yes. Brady's playing this well. When they go uh, past, I mean, e- even for Leonard Fournette, Tennessee Titans coming off their bye. What stood out to me is Derrick Henry obviously has five touchdowns. Uh, Dontra Hilliard has three touchdowns. They've been pretty fluky, but yeah, it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's, been, it's been something. Um, which is pretty impactful for a team that is another one who's had their down moments. Uh, Traylon Burks can't come back, I believe, until week 10. So I'm not sure how this offense is going to really push on to be even close to the team that they were last season. Robert Woods, eight, or 8.9 expected half PPR points in week five without Traylon Burks. That puts him like wide receiver four territory. He could be a flex play depending on matchups during bye weeks. Um, yeah, not a whole lot here. Derek Henry, they're going to keep riding him until that doesn't work let's close with the washington commanders 17 carries for brian robinson um let's put that on the back burner and talk about the quarterback change that is going from carson wentz depending on where you're hearing it from a handful of games potentially to now taylor heineke um what do you think that this means for the dynamic of terry mclaurin Jahan dotson and curtis samuel this season yeah i mean I think it's probably bad news for everybody. I watched Heineke try to throw it to Terry McLaurin all last year, and that wasn't working. Not that it was working this year for Terry. Um, the Curtis Samuel, I think that's going to be the big bummer because we know we had chemistry between uh, Carson Wentz and Curtis Samuel earlier on. I just think this is a really bad situation for everybody. There's too many like decent skill position players in an offense that doesn't have the quarterback or the offensive line to support him. So like even like Brian Robinson, like, Antonio Gibson's going to mix in just enough. He's not playing passing downs because JD McKissick, it's like he needs touchdowns to survive. He had 12.5 expected half PPR points, which is like gets him in the top 30 running backs, but it's hard to see an upside case with any of these guys, really. Carson Wentz has not been good, but he has been good at throwing down the field this season. In fact, I think he is PFS number one graded deep ball passer. Mm -hmm. Now just 13% of his passes have gone that far, 12 completions, but four of those have been touchdowns. We know from watching all of the Terry McLaurin highlights from last season when I think he was the wide receiver 25 in fantasy points per game last year. Um, he created a lot of separation outside the numbers yeah. and down the field that then Taylor Heineke eliminated because of his pop gun arm. Yeah. And Terry McLaurin still came down 
with a lot of those. So yeah. I am truly nervous that the big plays that we've seen so far that have kept Jahan Dotson relevant, that um, obviously Terry McCorn with the two of the top six A dots in the league uh, would be part of the downfall there. Yeah. Um, it makes me really nervous. And on top of that, last year that was with an awesome offensive line, albeit not individuals, but a group that was overperforming at a high level. And this year the offensive line has been way, way, way worse. So yeah. now you're going to get a scrambling Taylor Heineke even more, which he has some athleticism, but then you're not going to get him with this base underneath him to try to throw the football and thread the needles down the field for these big plays. So I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Turner changes up his offense from what we yeah. saw in the first six weeks of the season. I'm with you. And the important part, you said Heineke scrambles a lot, like more than Carson Wentz. And like when a quarterback's scrambling, I mean, he's not throwing the ball to our fantasy receiver. So this could be a situation where no, basically nobody is fantasy viable. Like I think it could get that bad. Um, and in terms of a dot again, I want to bring up that. Jahan Dotson has the fifth highest at 16.2 yards. And then Terry McLaurin has dropped in recent weeks, but he's at 13.7 yards. That is not Taylor Heineke's game. Just simply isn't. So like, could we get Jahan more of in a role like he was at Penn state potentially, but does that change what Curtis Samuel has been doing these last few weeks? Yeah. Um, I just don't know. And it's something that we're going to find out pretty quickly on. And I know we've talked about this longer than you wanted to. The math is not going to work here. <laughs> the math always works in Hayden Winks' fantasy usage model. You can go check that out. My show with Josh McCown will be on your feed on Thursday. We'll also have a show on Thursday evening with Hayden's rankings and tiers. And on Friday, it is the 20 players, our guys for fantasy football week seven, which is important with the Bills, the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Rams all on buys. So be locked in. All Close right. to 30,000 subs. Get there. If you are watching this video still and you're not subbed, you got an issue. There's a challenge for the 500 of you still watching right now and all of you if you've made it this far, which won't be many of you, uh, afterwards. Grab the link to the channel and send it to one friend. That's it. That's the challenge. One friend, all of you. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.